Fish Tribes Unfiltered, episode 17. We are close to episode 20. And as always, with Isaac Azut, my co-host. Isaac, how are you, man? 17 episodes in. Um, we're a couple weeks into the Major League season. Just won a four-game series against the Phils. They took three out of the four. How are you feeling, man? And uh, how are you? I'm doing great, man. It was, it was nice to see them, you know, come back home and win three out of the four games. Like you said, they're actually four and five as we speak right now. With day off on Monday. They were recording this April 18th. And I'm very excited for just everything we're going to talk about. Yeah, as always, subscribe to YouTube uh, and follow us wherever you may listen to the podcast. Give it a five-star rating. Leave a nice comment down below. And feedback as well so we can make these podcasts better. Not only this one, but Fish Stripes as a whole. So let's get into the season itself. Uh, the most impressive player so far in the season. I mean, for me, I would have to hear your response before, but I think it's Joey Wendell. The guy's been just incredible just making offense happen this guy made a nice double play the other day he's been good man and and i think our predict my prediction of leading hits i don't know if that's correct right now eli would know more but i think that should be pretty close easy sanchez has also been really good jazz as well so who is your most impressive player so far yeah joey's been great i think you know what an addition that has been for cameron meisner who's not off to the best start in tampa bay so that seems to be a, a good trade 10 games in nine games in for miami but to me, the most impressive guys have been, you mentioned it, Jazz and Jesus. You know, those two young bats have just been, you know, electrifying this this offense, really. I think they've had such a big part in all four games that Miami has won. It's almost been single-handedly those two. You know, they're, they're hitting for extra base hits. They're hitting for power. Jesus has hit a few home, a couple home runs. Jazz as well. And they've just played phenomenal baseball on defense and on offense. So I think those two are definitely the most impressive. And I think on the pitching side, you got to look at Pablo Lopez. Two great starts to start the season while – his other rotation mates haven't been as dominant. Pablo has looked really good so far. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about Jesus going into a new position, center field. Uh, you thought it wasn't going to go well at all, but he's actually been challenged, you know, quite quite a lot. And he's done pretty well overall. I mean, he's been able to make the catches. He made a couple nice – I think he had a diving catch or it was a good track down. I mean, he's been good in jazz. I mean, the defense has been good overall. I think it was the Anaheim series that he was okay. He was iffy a little bit, but – Besides that, I mean, Jazz has been probably the best player so far this season for the Marlins. If we had to choose a team MVP today, it would definitely be Jazz Chisholm. But I like what I'm seeing from both guys. And something interesting is these guys were both on the team last season. And you would assume that the new offensive additions in Soler and Avisael would be the big pieces, the big names of this team right now. But it hasn't been like that whatsoever. It's been the guys that we've known for a while, the young stars that they've developed in Jesus and Jazz. And, I mean, what do you think, man? I mean, this has been a good start offensively for the team. They started off okay in San Francisco. I just went horrible, horrid. It was bad. And in Philadelphia, they just all of a sudden woke up. Yeah, I think it's huge for this team knowing that they're not exactly homegrown guys. You know, they traded for each of them. But, you know, they did develop a little bit in the Marlins minor league system. And to have at least two guys that seem to be, you know, at least effective major league hitters is huge in Jesus, Andrews, and Jazz. So that's a huge development for Miami. And then you know that Soler and Abisail are eventually going to get going. I know Abisail has looked, you know, a little bad lately in his first nine yeah. games with Miami, but he did homer on Saturday night, So seemed, and he had the off day on Sunday. So maybe he's going to get things started. Soler hit one about 950 feet, finally, for his first Marlins home run. So I think this team, really, the offense could be a pretty solid force for the, for the whole season. And I'm glad they got their first homers, but man, I wish it was in one of the games that mattered just a little bit more, not the 10 to 3 loss to the Phillies. 
when it didn't matter at all. But hey, I mean, they got their homers. Hopefully that gets them going. It gets the juices flowing there. So we talked about most impressive. Now, who's been the most disappointing so far in your opinion? Uh, you got to go with the left-handed rookie of the year runner-up. Sophomore slump, maybe, and Trevor Rogers. Trevor, I was at the start on Friday, I believe it was, and or it was Saturday. I think. Saturday. And he just, Saturday. It was Saturday. He could not get the strikeout. He was getting ahead of guys. He looked great at face real mute to start the game, and then he just his velocity dipped significantly, almost immediately. So that was tough. He did have some bad luck on his side. A lot of the balls weren't hit very hard. I know the Bryce Harbor two-run double. You know, he got screwed on that one. But at the end of the day, he was not able to put guys away with his stuff and you know, not being as nasty as we've seen it in the past. But I think he'll be fine. He's not going to be as dominant as he was last year. I can tell you that right now. I did sort of predict a uh, sophomore slump for him. But I think he'll be fine. Philadelphia, maybe there was a rumor that maybe he was dipping his pitches a little bit. As you guys see the photo of nice Jay Daniel <laughs> there. But um, I think he'll be fine. But I think most disappointing, you got to go with him. And maybe some of the veterans that we mentioned in Avi and, and Soler. Stallings, I think he's held his own defensively, so I'm not too worried about him. You know, we, they didn't acquire him for his offense, but I, he didn't, he went like, I think, 18 straight at bats without a hit. Yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about Stallings. That picture is very scary. I don't know why. Trevor's just, it looks like he's staring into my soul. But, anyways, yeah, I think Trevor is the most disappointing. Another one that we, it's, it's just fair to mention, is Miggy Rowe. He did have a little bit of a bounce back series this time around, but. Those first two series, he was bad. It was really bad. He just couldn't get a hit off. Um, and then defensively, the play that could have been it to win it all, I mean, not win it all, but go into extras, just, he, he bobbled it. And it was simple ground ball play that was able to be thrown at home. There it is. He's flicking us off. He's flicking off the fans. So, you know, hopefully he gets it together. But I think Trevor is the fair pick here. I think we can both agree on that just simply because Trevor, we expected him to improve. Obviously, there's obviously the, the sophomore slump. But besides that, I mean, it's been weird. It's just been weird. And I think, you know, I'm going to go back to the impressive here. The whole Marlins bullpen, I mean, that's been pretty impressive. They've been able to hold their own weight. I mean, besides that first game with Bass and Bender blowing it, they've been able to hold it off ever since. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's a few guys that I really have liked. I know Lewis Head hasn't been into, gotten into as many games, but he looked great in the spring. I liked his one little outing. Um, O'Kurt obviously has looked great. He did give up that big two-run double in the home opener, which I had just called him, you know, Josh Hader to Jeremy Taché. <laughs> and immediately after that, Bryce Harper takes him for a two-run double, which I think, you know, if Leywin Diaz is at first, that ball doesn't get by. Um, but, yeah, Bender, I think, has he settled down as well. Anthony Bass has looked solid. The whole bullpen, like you mentioned, Kevin, the whole as a whole, it's been a, it's been a really good staff, honestly, the entire pitching staff. So that's definitely something that is a positive. And that ties into the next, I guess, portion, the bullpen itself. What you know, how do you think it's being handled? Do you like how it's being handled where they're placing each player at the moment with usually I mean Bender being the closer the other day in the seven to one win or something like that on Friday it was Castano, but you know, no need to play Bender there. I mean, how how have you liked the the management of the bullpen where each player's been placed at the moment? I think it's been solid. I like the fact that there are like three, well, I guess with Castano down, there's three like sort of different type of lefties. You have Blyer with that sinker combination. You have O'Kurt with that wipeout slider stuff. And then you have a guy with just strikeout stuff and Tanner Scott. So you have three different type of lefties that the opposing managers you have to you know think about when they have a lot of lefties like a Kyle Schwarber and a Bryce Harper. So I do like that. I like that Bass is being used in the seventh and eighth. I think that's the perfect spot for him. When Floro comes back, it's really going to lengthen this bullpen a lot. 
And like you said, Anthony Bender's been the closer. A little bit was off to a little bit of a rough start, but so far he's only blown one save. So they're good on that front. And I and you mentioned Floro. Where do you see Floro when coming back? Do you see him more of a as a setup man, or do you think they'll they'll try him in at the closer? And if he's succeeding there, maybe then okay, it's time to play Floro as the closer, Bender as the setup, or a closer by committee between both of those guys. You platoon it. I uh, I don't know. That's a that's a good question because I. I thought that if Bender was just, you know, being solid, rock solid, that you know, Bender would uh Flora would go straight to the eighth. But Flora does have the more experience being the closer. He was it for the entire second half of last season. He was pretty good at it. So I don't know what Don Mattingly is gonna choose to do. That's gonna be a very it's gonna be something to follow for sure. I, I don't know where they would go. If Bender had struggled maybe a little bit more, I think it'd be safe to say he'd go down to the eighth and Flora would get the ninth, but We'll have to see. We'll have to see a little bit more of Bender because even Christina mentioned it to me. Christina Dinicola of MLB.com that since the sticky stuff, he has just not been the same sort of dominance that he was in the first half of last season. So we'll have to see. But that's going to be definitely something intriguing. I'm very curious to see who will be the closer once Bender and Floro are both healthy. And a player that's been very interesting, I've been using him is Cole Solcer. We expected yeah. him to possibly be the setup or even the closer right away, but got no spring training action. Obviously, you know. Just a couple of days before spring training ended is when they made that trade. But overall, they're using him the sixth inning, whereas he's been used the most. What have been your thoughts on Solcer so far? I mean, yeah, he's a guy that is not going to throw you overpowering stuff. He's got a good changeup. So far, he's pitched to a sub two earned run average. So that's good. He did give up a run yesterday with a couple of hits. But he's a guy that looks to me, he's going to throw strikes for the most part. He's going to be a reliable right handed setup man for this team. It seems like that's how Don Mattingly is playing it out. I know he was using sort of a blowout yesterday, but he's a guy that Miami could probably depend on in the seventh, eighth inning of a game if Floro is unavailable, Bender's unavailable. I think he would be that next right-handed man up. So he's going to be some a very pivotal part of this bullpen for sure. And not only that, I mean, there's obviously injuries. So bearing that, you would assume Solskjaer gets the, the call, if anything, to close at, at least one or two games at, at most this season. Maybe even the first half of the season, you'll get some closing opportunities. My favorite reliever so far has definitely been Steven Elkert, though. The guy's just been dominant. I mean, looking at how he's done, I think he had, you know, in the four appearances, it was like six strikeouts or it was vice versa. But he's been very good, very efficient for the Marlins so far. Your thoughts on uh, Steven Elkert? Yeah, he followed up his decent performance on the home opener. He pitched again on Saturday with a perfect inning and a strikeout. And like Eli mentioned, this guy is not known to get many whiffs and many strikeouts, but he's done the exact opposite of that so far this year, and he's been really reliable. He he does remind, obviously, without the pure stuff, but he can be the sort of that left-handed specialist type guy. Transitioning a little bit more to the struggles that we mentioned at the start of Bisayel and Jorge Soler. I mean, Marlon's Twitter is just going ballistic about these guys saying how bad they are. And, I mean, if you had to tell these people on Marlon's Twitter – some something positive about these guys and why we should wait. I mean, the guy, you know, Jorge Soler hit a 400-something foot homer. That was a bomb. Avisayo got a nice homer. You know, when I went on on Friday, these guys were hitting just absolute bombs. They were raking in batting practice. So just any positives that you would take out of, the, out of their season at the moment so far? Honestly, I'm going to be honest. This is, you know, I know it's fish strikes, but I'm going to be honest. There's not much, not much positivity at all. Avi just doesn't look as healthy. As I thought he would be. I know he had that lower back soreness. Nothing like a Christian Yelich situation, but that's what Danny Alvarez told me. But he, he should be fine. Maybe he'll get going a little bit. 
And Solaire, I'm fine with him. He's going to be okay. I've, I'm more worried about Abi Sayil than I am about Solaire because Solaire just, he's going to be a streaky hitter. He's going to hit his home runs. He's going to hit his 25 to 30. But with Avi, he is just, you know, he, it looked like he was guessing at the plate the entire homestand, the entire road trip. It wasn't a, it wasn't a good first impression for the Marlins, $53 million man. But I, I'm optimistic that he'll be, he'll be just fine. And it'll be, it'll be a formidable offensive outfield for Miami this year. I'm more yeah. worried about the third and fourth years of these of this deal because you know I don't think he's going to be someone that ages particularly well. So I am worried about the back end of this deal for sure. But we'll we'll deal with that when we get there. And we're definitely seeing it now. I mean, this guy he's not been good at all defensively. It's been okay. It's been mediocre. It's not been good, but it hasn't been horrible. Like you know, Brian Anderson center field during spring training. So. Hmm. And Solaire, I think he'll eventually get better. I mean, he just hit a, a nice homer the other day. He's been actually producing a little bit more. Uh, another one who we should be mentioning about early season struggles is Jesus Aguilar, who just hasn't been able to hit the ball as much as we want or even at all. What have been your thoughts on Aguilar? And then I want to tie this a little bit into Lewin Diaz, and you may know why. Yeah, well, Aguilar, him and Avi Garcia do have a history of you know struggling a bit in April. Giancarlo Stan had the same problem. A lot of these guys do get off to slow starts. And with the short and spring training, I'm not entirely shocked that all of these guys, you know, are struggling. So the only thing Don Manley can do is just keep putting them in the lineup, putting them in those three and four spots respectively, and hoping that they turn it around soon. You know, Aguilar is one of the better hitters on this team. He really is one of the better pure hitters on the ball club. So I have no doubt that he'll he'll get it going soon as well. And with, yeah, like you said, with Lewin, I, it's, it's a shame that he's still at AAA. It's just... It doesn't make much sense that they did decide to keep both Aguilar and Cooper. Could have just chosen one, traded the other for some either bullpen depth or something else, maybe infield depth, and had Lewin as an everyday defensive first baseman, which would have really probably saved the team a lot of runs already. So we'll have to mm -hmm. see how that goes and see how long Lewin Diaz is in AAA because he was with the team yesterday just in case Aguilar or Cooper were hurt. But alas, he did not you know, get called up. Yeah, for a little more on that, um, he was there. Coop, uh, Lewin did come down to Miami, assuming, thinking that either Cooper or Aguilar were going to be out for today's game. So you would have put them, I guess, on a day-to-day -day or something like that, and Lewin would have came up, something, something like that. But uh, thankfully, no injuries on either of those guys. But, man, Aguilar's just been struggling. It's been bad. Defensively, he's been okay. But obviously, we all know Lewin's the best defensive first baseman on the current Marlins organization as a whole. Um you know, they like Cooper more at first, and we've noticed that because they've been playing him more than Aguilar at first. But, uh, I mean, I don't know what really to do about it. If Aguilar keeps this cold streak going, you may have to look into maybe trading him, as we mentioned, I think, prior to the season starting. We always said if, if you got to trade one of them, it'll probably be Aguilar just because of the one-year deal. makes a lot more sense to make some type of deal with that because Cooper just looks like he's built for that DH spot uh, a lot younger, I think. If Eli would know this more, but does he have more years of control than Aguilar? Some I, I'm not sure, but I think. And then you bring up Lewin; he has it all: defense, offense. I mean, the guy's raking a Triple A right now. He has nothing to prove in Triple A. So hopefully Aguilar could get it going, and maybe we'll have a more interesting topic to talk about next time. Yeah. But let's yeah. Know if you I mean, the reason I assume that Aguilar would be the better person to move is just because i know they don't want to do this at all but cooper does have that teeny weeny bit more of you know defensive versatility than aguilar you know aguilar's stuck at first base that's the only place he's going to play 
So I did think that that made more sense. I'm just curious. I do know Aguilar is definitely the better first baseman defensively, I think. You know, he's just a little bit more mobile. They're both big guys, you know, but I think he is a better first baseman. And they continue to – They, I think they've given Cooper more starts at first than Aguilar. So yeah. I don't understand that. I for, That play that really stood out to me was that 3-6-3 in San Francisco during the one game on the road trip that they won. I don't think Gary Cooper makes that play. Aguilar is a great defensive first baseman, and I think Cooper being at first has also cost the Marlins a lot of runs, you know, obviously on the defensive side. So that's I, I don't really understand what Don Mattingly looks for when he decides who's starting, who's starting when. But if it were me, I think Cooper would be at DH every single day. You've seen Cooper get hurt already playing first base a couple times. So well, I'll have to ask Donnie that whenever I go back to the ballpark. John Birdie turned into a linebacker the other day and absolutely destroyed Cooper. So yeah. hopefully that doesn't happen again. But I want to go into the minor leagues a little bit. And we just spoke about Lewin Diaz. I want to talk about, the, you know, I guess a little bit of each team. Well, we, we could do these recaps on every episode since we don't do that much on the streams. Uh, you know, so I want to talk about Jacksonville first. The Jumbo Shrimp at the moment of the recording, they're five and seven. Um, you know, you know, any anyone who's standing out to you, obviously Max Meyer has just been dominant. Peyton Burdick had a very good start. I think it was last night. Um, Lewin Diaz obviously just hitting bombs and raking Triple A. Anyone else you may want to mention in that category of the, of the Jumbo Shrimp and their start? So uh, you mentioned you mentioned the three the three main guys. You know, it's Peyton Burdick who's gone off to a phenomenal start. It's Max Meyer, who five perfect innings in his last start when we heard that he left the game with some sort of injury. I think we all got worried, and then we heard that it was a lower leg cramp. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay. So that's great to hear. And then Lewin, yeah, those are the three main guys. All three of those guys, in my opinion, will see the major leagues at some point this year, especially Max is. Meyer, and especially Lewin Diaz as well. This is his last year of having a minor league option. And so I, we will see all three of those guys. I think Peyton Burdick has really stood out. So maybe if, you know, one of these guys continues to struggle, maybe he sees some time in a corner outfield spot or DH. But that would be in the second half of the season. Yeah, Burdick has just been an on-base machine. Here's the video, which is also on the Fish Types YouTube channel, of um, Burdick just, just absolutely raking, getting on base, doing whatever he has to, to to score. I think he got three stolen bases, if I'm correct. So... I mean, the guy's been raking, but the big another name in that team that we just hasn't been spoken about because he hasn't been that good and has been JJ Bladey. What have been your <laughs> What have been your thoughts on Bladey's um, rough start in AAA so far? You know how I feel about the young Vanderbilt star. He just hasn't looked good. He's being overmatched by AAA. He was not good at all in AA either. I would have kept him in AA just not for the fact that he's not ready for AAA. I think AA is the more difficult level you know, to succeed in. So I would have kept him there and have him face tougher competition. Same with Burdick, honestly. I think with pitchers, I'd like to see them in AAA and hitters, I'd like to see them face AA pitching. So, but he's not even hitting AAA pitching, JJ Blade at the moment. So we'll see. That's going to be a, a big problem because if they whiffed on that number four overall pick in 2019, that it's going to set the team back a tiny bit. So let's hope he turns it around as well. 2-2 two, two counts on JJ Blade to open it up. And Duggar's breaking pitch, a swing and a miss. Right over the top of it, the pitch was down in the zone. And Duggar fans Bladade. Here's the 2-2 from McGee. A swing and a miss, and down goes J.J. Bladay on strikes. 3-2 pitch. Half swing, it goes too far. Back to the breaking ball, Moats strikes out Bladay. Charles LeBlanc, who's who's been very good so far. I mean, Alex Carver, official on the farm, has been talking about this guy a lot saying that he's definitely a guy who we could see on the call-up soon. I just don't know where you would put him. It would be a, maybe trade a John Birdie, but I don't see that happening anytime soon either. So that guy will probably stay in AAA. 
that's another one of those good Rule 5 draft picks that the Marlins had in the trip in the minor league portion of the draft. So Marlins may be hitting on another guy there. I don't know if you've looked into those guys a little bit more. No, just the one guy I have read just because of how much Alex Carver tweets about him is Charles LeBlanc. <laughs> you know, we'll, uh, we'll see how we are in May and see how he's doing. Yeah, now time to move on to Pensacola Bois, who's a little bit of a slow start for them, three and six. Pretty much the same song and dance. What have been your thoughts on the players so far? Uh, there's also always, you know, we have Griffin Conan down there. Paul McIntosh has been very good. Ryan Holden had himself a good start the other day. Anyone else you may want to mention? I know Hayden Cantrell, that first game, had a three-run bomb tied up. He had a couple hits in there. You know, he just released his lovely vlog, which was actually a pretty good one. I watched it myself, so. Your thoughts on on that double A team so far? Well, you can't talk about the Pensacola Blue Wahoos without talking about Paul McIntosh. That guy is, or is he still hitting above seven hundred? It's ridiculous how amazing he's been performing. But yeah, he was the main guy. I know Alex Carver loves him as well. The ball fell in, and here he finds the open right side of the infield, grounding a base hit to the right fielder. McIntosh has a hit. 2-1, rip to left, hit well. Valerio going back. That ball is gone. Paul McIntosh again. Dashwood kicks and fires. And that's lined into deep right center. Teodosio, can he get there? No, it's off the wall and the game's tied. McIntosh is at second. He'll make a turn and go for third. The relay there is going to be not in time. They call him safe. But other than that, I know there's a couple of reliever relief options. I know Colton Hawk is on that team, and he's pitched somewhat decent. Yep. I think he's someone that may get a September call up at some point. I just want to mention guys that we that you know Marlins fans might see at some point this year, and he's definitely one of them. I don't is Jeffrey Ann down there too in Double A? Jeffrey Ann. Jeffrey Ann is it, it is he is I'm sorry in Pensacola. He's another guy who is a bit on the older side. He was born in '96, so he's someone that maybe as well. If he's dominant, he could be another even dominant guy out of the bullpen. A left you can throw pretty hard. And then another one who I like is Jaron Canarcion. Obviously, we all know him. He's someone who I'm going to be honest, I think we're going to, he's going to be up in the major leagues, but with another team at some point, either this year or in 2023. I don't think he makes his debut with Miami. They just have so many guys like him, corner outfield guys with all the contract, three years and four years for Soler and Avi, respectively. He's not going to get a chance, especially with first base being taken over by Lewin and Aguilar. I don't see a spot for him. Vancouver, yeah. Not only that, I mean, you look at the contracts, you thought that they weren't trying not to block minor leaguers like Burdick and, and you know, Blade to come up, but they definitely did that with the contracts of Soler and Aguilar, more Ag more Avisaev than Soler because Soler's is a opt-out at the end of the year. And the way he's playing right now, it looks like he'll be opting into that deal. So unless yeah. things go extremely south and you technically think of Soler's contract as a one-year deal, thinking he'll be opting out of it, I mean, and I want to go back to this very quickly before we go there because this has been on my mind. Let's let's say things go south for the Marlins, and hopefully they don't. Soler could opt out any minute, or he could opt in. When you look into trading Soler, if he's just not good at all, the team, you know, that's that's something that has been crossing my mind for the longest time. Would that be something that you would look into, especially knowing that the Marlins are pretty much thinking he's on a one-year deal? Yeah, I don't. I, so that's the thing. Was, I mean, as of right now, he's not on a one-year deal. He's probably looking into renewing his house here for another couple of years. Yeah. So, you know, whatever team would be interested in trading for him, they're going to know that it's not just uh, an expiring contract because it is a player option. So I think he's going to be here. I don't think they could trade him if they wanted to. We'll see, though. Maybe if he gets hot, if Miami is out of it and he has a hot June and July, 
he, you know, it would be like a, just like a situation like last year where he gets traded and maybe Miami could get something of value and that would open up a spot for a Peyton verdict. I'm not even going to mention Blade because of... He's not going to go spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, who else should we mention on this Pensacola team? I mean, our good friend, you know, Victor Mesa, Victor Mesa, or, you know, Victor, Victor, batting, Victor, Victor. Yeah. The bad one. I mean, he, he's been batting number the one overall. One. He's the bad one. Yeah. Um, and then Beloit. Beloit's been the worst team out of everyone here so far, but they have some nice players on there. Cody Morse, your boy. Um, we also have Victor Mesa Jr. I think he's on that Beloit team. I may be wrong, but I think he's the, he's definitely the good one. So anyone else you may want to mention there that we could see, you know, rising up in the minor leagues quicker, sooner rather than later. One of the better pure hitters of the 2021 draft was uh, Tanner Allen. He's on that team as well. And he's had a couple of hits. He's had a couple of hits in the last couple of days for for that team. And here's the one zero, swinging a line drive into center, sending Freilich back. He's still on it, runs and watches it bounce off the wall. Allen's on his horse. He's around second. He's gonna try for third. The relay throw is not in time, and the throw gets away. But the pitcher Kelly is there to back it up. Baker deals. Ground ball to the hole at shortstop through the hole. Rosario gets the wave around, and he's going to score. Another one that's quietly been pretty solid is Federico Polanco. He's someone that I've been told to look out for. And, yeah, like you said, Cody Morrison, my boy, he was off to a dreadful start for a little bit. Yeah. But he, he, uh, he'll be fine. He hits. I'm not worried about him at all. And the, on the pitching side, Evan Federer really struggled in his one start. I know that. And Dax Fulton has been okay as well. Well, those are the two main pitchers. I know Zach King, Fish on the Farm, was tweeting about him the other day. He's got decent stuff. Also another Vanderbilt guy, if I'm not mistaken. So those are the main guys. No one else yeah. really. The, the My favorite on that team is honestly Bennett Hostetler. I think he's on that team. And, yeah, uh, he is. He someone is. that I could see him conceivably getting a call up to double A if he's really solid in the first half. But other than especially, that. Especially especially with McIntosh, how he's playing, he could be getting the call to triple A. I mean, if Miami trades Nick Fortes, which I doubt, they better not do that. But, you know, they traded Alex Jackson. Now you only have Nick Fortes there, and you may have some other catcher. I'm not sure who's on that AAA team backing up Nick Fortes. But maybe you get Paul McIntosh up there to AAA towards that time, and then Hostetler takes over. But, you know, we, we stuck for not mentioning Zach McCambly and Pensacola. But yeah. that's another guy on that team. Now let's go to Jupiter Hammerheads, where our next guest – Jose Salas is on. Your thoughts on that team so far? Khalil Watson's been raking. Salas has been good so far. You have Ian Lewis there. Joe Mack is on that team. I think he's in extended spring training or something like that at the moment. But your thoughts on that team so far? Yeah, you can't talk about this team without talking about Khalil Watson. This guy, I don't think you could have asked for a better start to a professional career than what Khalil Watson has done. He's hitting. He's hitting for power. He's striking out a little bit. Not, in a, not an alarming rate at all, but he is striking out. But he's hitting for extra base hits. He's hitting for power. He's getting his singles, his RBIs. He's drawing his walks. And Khalil Watson has looked phenomenal in, in Jupiter. I think maybe he sees high A at some point in the second half of the season. And then obviously, what a middle infield duo with him and Jose Salas. Just one of the better middle infield duos in all of minor league baseball, without a doubt. Yeah, this is this is definitely one of the more exciting teams just because of that infield. I mean, in the outfield, there's not much... Um, Pitching, there's not Osiris much. Osiris Johnson, another middle infielder, you who used to be now, he's playing center field a lot. So, like with Osiris and Jose and Khalil, I, one of my guys who I really like at the development camp, Christian Rodriguez, he doesn't have much, but he's got a sweet swing, and so I keep an eye on him anyway. 
but it's a it's an okay team. But those two guys definitely uh, take over all the fame. And I just keep looking back at Pensacola, and we forgot to mention Yuri Perez, who hasn't been good. I mean, not he hasn't been bad. He's been, I guess, humbled, you could say, from in double A. And then there's also George Soriano on that team. There's mm-hmm. just players that just keep crossing my mind on that Pensacola team. That's definitely, I guess, the team to watch, although they've been off to a very struggling start. If you really want to look at minor leaguers that are on the cusp of the MLB, Jacksonville is the team to watch. Beloit's definitely been the dreadful team, and then Jupiter has been okay. I mean, they're at four and five, so they're working it up. So I guess that's it, unless you want to talk about anything else, your eyes. You yeah, no, just going to remember, Yuri Perez, he just turned 19. He is at AA, which is a very tough level. For any young guy, but the fact that he's there is just so great to see. And I think he'll be fine. You know, he did have, from what I read, he, you know, it, he had some bad luck behind him as well. But he'll be fine. I'm very curious to see how he responds in his next double-A start. Payoff pitch on the way. Swing and a miss, strike three. Fastball at 96. And the payoff pitch. Swing and a miss. High fastball, got him. 2-2. Lopez swings and misses, 94 inside. 0-2 on the way. Swing and a miss. Foul tip into the catcher's mid. A high fastball got him. I think that'll do it for us here on uh, our portion of Isaac and me. From me and Isaac Asut, we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace out and go fish. We got to end it off right.